0: Welcome to Spirit Talk Radio. My name is Angel and I am your host. I would like to extend to you this invitation to join me today on a journey of exploration, discovery, and clarity with one of the many guests from the community who is committed to helping us all on our journey of spiritual transformation. Enjoy the show and be prepared to ask questions if you have them. Looking forward to seeing you today. Tomorrow and thereafter. Enjoy. Hello and welcome. It's Angel here, and this is our regular feature. This is our book club feature. And today, I am so excited. I've got the author of Behind the Wall, Ms. Connie Steinman. Hi, Connie. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you, Angel? I'm doing excellent. Thank you so much for taking on. this interview as part of your, your process, I've been watching you and I've been, you know, with you or you've been a client of mine and we, I've watched you grow so much. And this book is your first book, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. So
0: I would love the listeners. A lot of people out there that are thinking about writing a book or going to write a book. I love them to hear from you, your perspective on what it felt like kind of birthing it. And now it's finally out. Talk to me about that.
1: Um, yes, it was quite a process. Um, you see, I I started writing in a journal at school uh, about my students and 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 downloading my referrals. Like when I started teaching, like twenty years ago, and I did this for quite a while. And then um, and then I in 2018 I had a heart attack, and I, I was in a five day coma. I was in the hospital and then I had to be rehabilitated. And, and during that time when I was off of work, I went through my files and um and, and my journals and I decided that um, I would begin a book and it would um it it, it would it was quite a process because my first edition, I went through uh Fiverr and I and then I hired um uh, my writing coach here, Angel. Um and um, so I I, I I had to write every day. I had a hard time at first getting all my ideas together. So Angel helped me um, reorganize my ideas and, and um, begin to uh, yeah, organize the information in chapters so I was able to write it. And then the uh, pandemic uh, happened. So uh, I, I wrote through the pandemic. And um, I, I hired an editor through Fiverr, and, uh, and, and then we got that done. Uh, the, the wrong uh, copy was um, printed um, through Amazon as my first edition, and it was actually, she uploaded an old uh, rough draft from several years before, and, and my brother was able to see the mistake, and, and so, uh, so how to, um, you know, take the uh book off of Amazon mm-hmm. and then rewrite it for the second edition. Um, so it took a couple of years, you know, but it um it took like 15 years to get to it because when I started this journal 20 years ago, you know, I was just uh taking notes and and keeping referral, the their um, their um referred or when you send a kid out in your classroom um you have to write what they did um so um so I had to go through all that and um and it took a while just to get to writing the book it
0: sounds like it was a real birthing process for you like you yeah. had it was literally a, a, a real <laughs> a yeah. real hard process
1: yeah and then and then and then, um, and then the second edition still had a lot of mistakes. Um, and then I, um, I sent in something out to be copyrighted, and this uh, publisher called Dorrance Publisher, they're from uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. They they saw that um, copyright that I had, and then they 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 uh, got in touch with me, and they asked me if I had anything else, and I said, well, I had this book on Amazon. And they said, well, we're interested in republishing the book. So then I, I sent them everything and then um, it had to be re-edited again. Um,
0: yeah, I was, saw that. I've got because bu- I have I both editions. <laughs> I've got the first edition and the second edition. And and, then- and um, I'm hoping there's not going to be a third or fourth or fifth edition. I hope we, we're going to move on to the next book.
1: <laughs> right. Yes,
0: um, yeah. But the thing that I really want to get to is, um, you know, y- you talked about your story and in, in, in how you got here. But the thing that's really interesting to me is that um, this book—you can put the book down. You can put the book down. Okay. Um, this book—it it speaks to teaching our our teenagers um, in our society from through the eyes of a teacher. And we don't get that perspective very often. You know, we see lots of movies, read lots of books, but we don't really get the perspective of what it's like today to teach kids anything. And can you talk to us about your experience around, you know, just the journey? How many years have you been a teacher?
1: Um, This is my 22nd year.
0: Oh my goodness. You've been a teacher longer than some people have been married. That's pretty good. <laughs>
1: I've been longer than I've been in a relationship. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: it's your relationship with the with the with the kids and in what's the message that you've gleaned from being around these children and teaching them, and that's kept you teaching? What is the message? Um, when
1: the message is that um. That I want them to uh, find their purpose or, or, or find their passion in life, and I want them to actually pursue it and to uh, feel that they can um, empower themselves and that they they can they can be of service and and they can um they can they can find their dreams, you know, whatever it is that they want in their lives. I really feel like they can achieve it and that they there's more to life than just the neighborhood they live in, or what you know, or the situation that they're in now. Yeah, you know, because yeah. our lives are not about you know what we do or or the or, or, or the circumstances that we live under. There's something else out there that you know that keeps life inspiring and 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 wanting to do things and and help other people or, or do things. Yeah.
0: I love it. But, and you'd have an interesting process. You know, I was reading the book and it's not just like, you know, different chapters. I'm looking at the first edition here because most of my notes were from the first edition. So I have all my little sticky notes everywhere. And each chapter tells a story of a relationship with one of your students, sometimes a couple of students. Right. And it's like, it's like you tell a story um, about, um, I'm looking at Delilah's Inferno, which is, was one of my favorite chapters actually, um, because she was an angry student. And so you're telling the story about this angry student and like, you talk about the student's circumstances, oh. then you talk about the student and the relationship in the class. And then you talk about what you did through this technique. And then you tell the rest of the story the technique you use is that you use one of our greatest authors in literature and history and you speak through one of his pieces. So tell us tell us about that. I'd love the audience to hear about that.
1: Okay um what I do write about six students that, that were my English class at the time um and I I do share their the personal story that I get that I gathered from the um from the school um uh, I guess a uh, process system that has all the information about the student, um, all the referrals, all their background, if they have an IEP or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, so I I do for each chapter, I do explain the students um, circumstance. You know, were they um, were they born to a uh, drug addictive parent? You know, did, did they have a mental problem? Or well, they had uh, they dealt with physical abuse um, and all kinds of right uh, right you know, right help things. Or, or circumstances. But you
0: use a specific techno- technique to actually teach.
1: Uh, yes, I do. I, I use um. Well, I use Ralph Emerson because he's uh, a transcendentalist from the 1800s, and he believes in nonconformity. That means you know, don't look outside yourself. Don't seek the opinions of others and listen to your naysayers. He's saying to go inside and see how you feel and and to do what feels right, which is follow your intuition or follow your connection with spirit or God or your higher
0: power. How do you use Emerson in a class of of teenagers? Because I can't imagine you like, just having a metaphysical conversation with a group of teenagers about Emerson? Or maybe you can, I, I don't know. <laughs> well,
1: uh, in the literature textbook that are uh, designed by uh, Holt Handbook, um, or Holt, the Holt uh, textbook company, they have a series of uh, short literature pieces. Uh, one, one is on American authors. And so um, Ralph Waldo Emerson, he's in there. Uh, all the pieces of literature in there for the kids to study. Um, So, you know, he is in our textbook, Self-Reliance. It's the piece he wrote about following in your heart. Um, So that is in the textbook. So I do teach it. Could I teach the Transgenderless Unit? Um, Yeah, as part of the uh, American Literature uh, Series. Yeah.
0: So what What is it about um, Ralph uh, Waldo Emerson's self-reliance that um, pulled you in so passionately that this tool became a map for you in teaching kids?
1: Um, um, Well, he's part of like a series of authors that, that teach you Luke to, um, to you know to look at uh look at the beauty in nature and and try to make a connection like he, I I would say Emerson he he is spiritual and he and he has the connection with God and um and so it's just about like changing like your environment and 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 and, and empowering yourself by making that connection with with nature and with spirit so that that with that would the romantic writers all of them kind of cover that
0: would you consider Ralph Waldo Emerson a romantic writer
1: yes yeah, <laughs> a, yeah,
0: a transcendental yeah. romantic writer I love yeah. it I love it yeah. so before I start digging into some of the questions that I pulled when I read the book um I always make notes when people um, are are going going through their process, and you know, you you threw something out there, almost like dropping a penny, and just kept right on blowing through it, and you haven't talked about it, so we're going to talk about it now. Okay. Um, you had a heart attack, and you pretty much died for the most part. Yeah, I I went to the other side. I came back. Yeah, and so it's like you have had that not that, that near-death experience that we see people on TV and in movies having. And is it fair to say that you're, it's almost like you woke up? Is it, is, is that fair to say?
1: Uh, yeah, I did. I did just wake up after five days. Yeah. And
0: <laughs> do you feel like it's, it was different for you after that in terms of how you were going to pursue stuff and what you wanted? Do you feel like you were like different
1: uh yeah, definitely had a traumatic brain injury. I was, I'm definitely a different person than I was uh before the heart attack.
0: But um, a different was, I'm I'm talking about spiritually though. Uh
1: spiritually. Um spiritually. I, I, I just thought that um, you know, I I just wasn't like it's intuitive or maybe it's aware of things uh that I am now. I I'm definitely um I'm not like I used to be like obsessive. I definitely had um OCD. Uh, going, yeah. <laughs> um, like my pin, yeah,
0: someone scared. moved my pin. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, but um, I feel like I'm calmer now. Like uh, I don't get upset about things like big things as much anymore. Um, and uh, and um. I just feel like I, I can hear the voice within me more. Um,
0: it's beautiful.
1: And I, I, I did lose, you know, 60 pounds after that. And, um, and that's
0: a whole nother question. That's a, so you skipped right to the next question. So we're going to head into the weight loss thing because I'm going somewhere with this, but I have something else I want to touch on with this heart attack. How, how long ago was this again?
1: Uh, this was uh, in August, Uh 2018. Uh, no, the yeah. end of the end of July 2018. So I would I would gone from my job until mid October.
0: Yeah. And do you feel like since then your life purpose started to open a little bit? And you know, you writing books, you're doing stuff. It feels different oh. to me. Just listening to you talk about it, it feels like you're different in terms of what you're going after in life compared to you were who you were before.
1: Yeah, I think I have. Um, I can pay attention more. It just seems like my my mind isn't that chatterbox it was before. Um, I felt like I had a monkey mind, and um,
0: maybe we all got a monkey mind.
1: I would, oh, oh, <laughs> I about something I mean, I you know I still get concerned about things, but it's not like I I I go on and on and on. I I just know that um you know when something's done and you did all you could. You know, you just got to move on, you know, like everything, like my relationships and friendships and and addictions or whatever. It's just like, you know, you just reach that point and then you just move on.
0: (laughs) So you went, so you worked as a, you work as a teacher 22 years, five years ago, give or take, you had a heart attack. You came out of it. It was a, it was a, an extreme heart attack. Like, like we said, you, you, you moved, you went over to the other side, they kicked you back. It's not your time. Get back in there. You came back and then you lost 60 pounds.
1: And you look look great. You look
0: great by the way. (laughs) So you changed, you, you transformed.
1: Right. And I got new healing aid too. I'm, see, I'm, I'm deaf. Oh my
0: God. There's something else. There's another thing. So talk to us about that. So let me wait, wait, wait. So we got to catch up. Okay. So you had a, you, you, you had a, a, a near, near death or death experience. You had a heart attack, left us, came back, lost 60 pounds, and you were born legally deaf, okay. right?
1: Um, Yeah. I have an 85 decibel loss.
0: So um yeah, I'm moderately, severely deaf. Yeah. So before and we then, move on, Connie, before we move on, is there anything more? Because I, I think I cover, I think that's it. Is there some more? That's a lot to, to overcome on a day-to-day basis, but it speaks to who you are. I mean, the perception and the way you perceive having been 85% legally deaf, and now you have hearing aids. You had to learn how to communicate all over again, I imagine.
1: Right. There's definitely a difference between listening and hearing. And and because I, I couldn't hear, you know, a lot of the students, my students, they really took an advantage of me That the whole time I was teaching. Like, you know, because I couldn't hear them, they wouldn't repeat themselves or uh, they would make, maybe they would, Laugh at me or mock me, um, and they would say things behind my back to to the other people in the class about me, but I couldn't hear it, so you know they could be calling me names or whatever, and I'd be smiling because I couldn't hear it, I didn't know what they were saying, and um, so that made it difficult for me. So I definitely relied on my eyes and what I saw.
0: Kids, and I tried, and
1: I was still trying to. To, to teach them and, and, but, you know, they, you know, they don't, they don't give anybody a chance, you know, the teenagers, they can be very judgmental and they can be, yeah. very, they can be very, um, they can be mean. Um, yeah. So, so I got my hearing aids the, after the heart attack, they came out with the top of the line new hearing aid called resound. Okay. And they are digital, the the uh, rechargeable, and they are the top of the line. They, my hearing went from an eighty-five decibel loss to like, like, like a one percent loss. You know. Oh so wow! Can,
0: so you can hear everything.
1: Yeah, I can hear the width, the like, You can,
0: you can hear better than most people.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, the, but see, because I couldn't hear them, it was hard for me to listen to people, and and I. I still find that I'm still learning how to listen. Like when you listen, you understand what the people are saying. That is
0: so good. That is so good. I wish that, you know, I could take that sound bite and just give it to everybody because it's true. You know, people talk, noise comes out of their mouth and we go, yes. And then people come back to you with something completely different from what you asked for because they weren't listening. And we take we take we take that for granted. We take it for granted because most of us don't have this conversation going on when we couldn't hear, and now we can hear. Whereas when you couldn't hear, you were adapting. Right. And now you it can hear. Work. It
1: yeah. Work. It's very physically tiring uh, when a bunch of kids are shouting at you, and they go, ooh, "Ooh, you know, I want you know, talk to me," and then somebody's saying something he can't hear. And you know, and now with the cell phones and all the other distractions, it's it's, it's really hard. Yeah.
0: It's hard being a a teacher today, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's really tough, especially after the pandemic when the kids haven't been in school really for a couple of years.
0: And mental health is is a big is a big deal out there right now because the pandemic, we haven't recovered from right. the devastation of like being alone and, and and stuck in the pandemic. Cause not everybody locked themselves in their houses and wrote books like you did. You know, most, <laughs> most people struggled. And um, as a teacher, did you, you know, this book is really good, um, but it's very honest in, in its messaging around the students and, some of the parents weren't very involved with their kids and as a teacher you had to do a lot of wrestling with this with the the administration and even with other teachers right
1: um
0: have you had to have any tough conversations with people who maybe didn't have as as joyous uh a response to this book when you when it came out
1: Uh, i did i i had people from the um from where I, um, work, they um, they remembered those people, they knew who I was talking about, even though I changed all the names
0: to protect I, the innocent. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but they,
1: but they, but if they were teaching with me back then, and they're still there now, they they knew who I was talking about. So they said I I put the school down, and um, and I. I feel like I didn't put the school down. I told the truth. It's my experience as a deaf person teaching these kids who have all odds against them. I mean, these kids came from backgrounds, like I said, you know, with drug addiction, um, abuse, uh, you know, uh, poverty, uh, inner city uh, problems like the homelessness, people that live like right on the same street that the kids walked down to come to school. They got the tent set up and they're, they're shooting new needles in the arm. And um, Gosh. not only that, it, you know, that we had uh, you know, drive by shootings, it's that kind of a neighborhood where things happen,
0: you know. Do you ever think about going to a different kind of school or were you just passionate about touching the community that you were serving?
1: Um I'm I'm very really, I'm I'm very really passionate about you know who I serve. Um you know a a parent asked me, how come you stay? And um and I said, you know, I said that was I thought that was a really good question. I've never been asked that before, but um I stay because um I had a front row of student and I could see in their eyes that they were there because they really wanted to be there and they really wanted to learn. Now, I had I still had that front row with students, maybe five kids in every class. They sit right up in front and they're like this. You know, they, they want to learn. And then the rest of the kids are they're, they're somewhere else.
0: <laughs> now, I love that because I, I've talked to a lot of teachers in, in my in my journey and they all speak to Um, even in a room, if there's 40 kids in the room that are terrible, but one kid in the room, that's amazing. They will still go back. And I know I was one of those kids in the front row, you know, like there's always the kids that want to be there. And unfortunately there's the kids that don't want to be there. And um, it's challenging. It's challenging being a teacher in today's, today's community. Now I want to have a, I want to touch on a tough subject because I think it's really powerful that you spoke about this in the book. You had one of your students die. Yeah. And you spoke about it in the book. Talk to us about that and why you felt the the need the need to include that in the story.
1: Yeah, I, I do think that uh, suicide is still a big um issue in our community with young people and in the schools. Um, I would have to say when I worked at that school, um, I think I saw at least one of my students die every year. We lost somebody, you know, to a drive-by, suicide, um, you know, overdose, whatever. Um, And there was one particular student. Um, he was really good in my class and he was just lost because, you know, he came from a single parent home and his, and his mother was dying too. And, um, you know, and so we kind of like, you know, got into some drugs. You know, you know, smoking and drinking at an early age, and um, you know, I just thought that, that that needs to be addressed because it does. It's still happening. This still happening. Yes, it is. Yes, it was is. There, but he would. He was an exception. He was just somebody who chose to like be with the other kids because he wanted to fit in with them. And he really had a lot going for him, but he didn't see that in himself.
0: Yeah. So,
1: I, so my question is, um, you know, how can how can we um help these kids? You know, like we we still have a, you know people going into schools and they and they have lockdowns because a student is shooting people. Yeah. You know, we need some mental health help here. You know.
0: Uh, no, I don't disagree with you. I feel like we are in a really tragic. Crisis in our nation around mental health, it's an epidemic, it's an epidemic, and we need to do something about it and to speak about it, it does take a certain amount of courage. Did you get any feedback from your community around you know talking about that story were they were did, did there any judgment or did you get some positive support?
1: um yeah, yeah, people didn't really talk to me about it, really, yeah. You know, they kind of hush hush. But all the all my former students um, who, who read the book, you know, they um they they I, I guess they connected with me. They do remember when those things happened. And they and they were like, you know, they would they would they remember that student and they they were sad to hear, you know, to to, to meet it, I guess.
0: Yeah. That this is this is quite an accomplishment. And in your community, you are an author and you've been, you've been asked to, to go to do book signings. And I think one of your local papers printed a story about it. How does it feel to be looked at differently in terms of, you know, cause you wrote about something that, that you lived. It's not like you wrote a fictional story. You wrote, they were all there and watched it happen. <laughs> and you wrote about something that happened. Um, but now people are recognizing it as wow, it's like that. How does that make you feel? It's like were we just not watching? Did we just not see it was like that? Or are you stopping everybody and reminding them? You know, it's kind of tough out there with these kids.
1: Um, I I would I would say that when they when they read the book that those people that I think they remember that it, it happened. You know, yeah. They definitely could they could they came to me and they were saying, is this person so-and-so, show show, with that that? I'm like, can't tell you.
0: <laughs> I can't tell you. No, no, go go do some research. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but I do at the end of the at the end of the um book, I do um I do give the history of that town and everything and the background of, of, of um of how the town uh would develop and
0: Okay, yeah. I like that. So, when I talked to you to prepare for this for this uh, interview, you talked to me about how you would like to see this book used in schools as like a reference. Talk to us about that. Like, if you had this book, as if, if you were teaching today, and you had this book, how would you use it to kind of help this process of teaching?
1: Um, I would use it um, definitely if, if you teach the uh, transcendentalists or the romantic writers. Um, or American literature, if you're teaching Emerson at at part of your uh, civil disobedience um, unit, it could be used in that unit, uh, civil disobedience. You could look at writers like David Thoreau and and Martin Luther King, and those people that um, believed in justice and um, nonconformity and following your dream. Uh, so you could use it in that unit, and so when you're studying Emerson, you could uh, use this book. And I'm I'm gonna try to get a teacher's uh, like a edition made or something of this book that accompanies all those other novels that we read in class. I like so that. And you're talking about nonconformity and and um, you know, and doing the right thing, so to speak. Uh, you could use uh, this book as the as the novel that follows the unit. Uh, okay. To show how you could use his his writing in your class, I guess.
0: You use the line that you would like to empower people through Emerson. Right. How 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 are you going to empower people through Emerson? What is the what is the the message? from emerson
1: um, yeah the, the one met the message that's my favorite is uh don't look outside yourself seek within so it, again it's, it's going back you know it's it, it's going into yourself like taking a moment with yourself
0: look in the mirror
1: some people call it meditation or or a prayer or a moment of silence whatever it's just that you got to ground yourself and, um, you know, you can't let the outside back with I'm still learning this. It's like, you can't let the outside people like affect you emotionally, you know, and everything else, you know?
0: And there's a second piece. Cause you said that was just the one piece. Is there another piece there in that Emerson message for you?
1: Um, yes. Um, when you read self-reliance, he talks about like traveling, um, and I liked his point there that there's, a, there's two types of traveling. It's like traveling physically. So when you, like you have expectations in life and then, you, you know, wherever you go, you're going to go, you know, your mind goes with you.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: So <laughs> you yeah. If you have an expectation and you travel, like you want to go to Thailand, you just you just feel like it's going to be your answer to whatever you're looking for and then you get there and it doesn't meet your expectations, then you're disappointed. But if you go, there's a type of traveling called the inner traveling, like your like your soul or your mind, just you and you're traveling because you're seeking, you know, answers to 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 your life and you have no expectation, then when you go travel somewhere, then you're more present. That's what I'm learning. Like, you, you go, like, I, I, I want to go everywhere. So, so wherever I go, I, I'm, I'm more like, I'm trying to make myself present so I can learn about, like, I go myself up to the people who are there or, or, this, or, the, or whatever's happening there, you know, or you're learning, you know, like I want to go to Easter Island. So I want to learn more about how that was formed and about the culture. Yeah. and the people and um so when i go there i'm gonna i have no expectations um and then um, i'm able to receive so for like i did the camino de santiago this past so so,
0: so i have a list of things i want to ask you so i'm going to ask you to hold off on that because i want to talk about that i want to talk about that and the things that you've done because I feel like, um, and and I will have all complete transparency to the world. I was there. I watched it because I was, you know, uh, coaching her on some of the things to get her where she could do it. But it's like, she wrote, she wrote this book and opened and all of a sudden all this stuff. So I have a list of things here. So you did your Camino trip. Yeah. You went home. And spent time with your family and got closure on things that had been sitting with you for a long time. Right. And came back great afterwards. You know, it was like really successful, right?
1: Right.
0: You went to New York.
1: Right.
0: And the big thing that's so exciting is all of a sudden now you're like acting. Right. How do you go from, I'm a school teacher. I'm doing all right to having a heart attack to all of this in this transformation.
1: (laughs) Uh, I think it was um, like Emerson said, you got to go inside. It was like, I, I, I felt like I reconnected with, um, with spirit and, um, you know, I don't take anything for granted now. Oh, I love that. Um, I love that. So, I I, I get um, like I'm more present. You know, it's it's like we only got this moment in front of us, and and um, and and and, and it's hard too because you know I still think of the past, and, and and everybody does, you know. But you know, if you if you keep thinking of the past, um, like Wayne Dyer said, then you're all you see is is the, is the back of the boat and the waves that are. You know that that's all you see. You know you're not looking forward. That's so, really that's, great. That's the point of, with the whole inner traveling that uh, Emerson talking about is to have no expectation and to stay in the moment and to be open to receiving. You know, so you know that's the kind of traveling that I like the inner traveling. So if you make if we have expectations and um and and um then if it doesn't meet expectation then you're disappointed
0: so is your philosophy that you walk with now is like you just have you, you go through life without an expectation is that what you're what you're saying or
1: well um just don't like focus on the expectation it's more like it's it's you got to focus you know, you know what you want, so you, you, you see the goal or whatever, but how you get there when it happens, I mean, we have no control, you, you know, it's going to happen if you, if you have it in your head, and it, and it, you know, but it could be, it could end up being differently, I don't know, I just think that, uh, Maybe God has all the control,
0: you know? You think maybe God has all the control. That's, yeah. It's that's, that's a, a good assumption, right? <laughs> He's the only guy with the remote. <laughs> the rest of us, are you ever been looking for the remote on the bed? That's the rest of us, right? Looking for the remote. God always has the remote. Um, right. So the Camino, um, talk to me about that. What is What is the Camino? Okay.
1: The Camino is the way, um, it, it, it's, it's a walk. Um, the one I went on is Camino de Santiago. It's the main one that runs from uh, St. John de Port, France, all the way down to Santiago, Spain. So that, that part is 500 miles. And then, oh my God. and then past Santiago, you can go all the way to the end, to the coast, and it's called Finestierre. And um, so that's where the uh, lighthouse is and, and it's basically the end of the world. It's St. James. He walked that way. um, You know, St. James. And um, and they have his tombstone in Santiago in the cathedral. And this year was Holy Year, so the cathedral doors were open. So I could, wow. and that's a crystal. Could I walk for all mothers who lost? And, and St. James...
0: The- St. James being one of the apostles.
1: Right. He, the okay. apostle. Right. Yeah. Wanna make
0: sure everybody knows who you're talking about.
1: Okay. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's that's
0: that's that's powerful. No, because that's powerful. You walked the in the footsteps of a person who walked with Christ.
1: Right. And it took me 40 days to do it. I went from Phineathia from and then I went to Musia, That with the other side of the um.
0: You went by yourself too, didn't you? You went by yourself.
1: Uh, yeah, I did travel with friends the week before. And then we went down to Pamplona. Um, and that's where uh, they went and did another hike. And, and I kept going. But you stay in, um, you stay in like hostels. They're called al- albergues. And they're like just places with bunk beds and showers and food. And they, they take care of you. It's inexpensive.
0: Yeah. I like it. How was that? How did how did you like that?
1: Um, it was a lot of time by myself, and, and, and then you're just out there in nature, you know, so, you know, you get to talk to different people, they come and go, um, you meet all kinds of people, and there's some people that live there that they like homeless people and all they do is walk all these Caminos, they're all over Europe. The next one I like to do is the one from Canterbury, England, to uh, Rome, Rome in Italy. But I think I'm going to have to do the shorter part this year because I'm not retired yet. <laughs> See,
0: so there's a there's a Camino that takes you from Canterbury all the way to Rome. Right. So what is that? What does that walk represent? Who's whose walk is that? Is that the the Roman soldiers coming from Rome to what? What is that? that walk me um, like, you know I
1: I, I I'm, I'm not really sure but i I I did uh study the canterbury tales so uh no. I want to be one of the pilgrims love there.
0: That. Love yeah. canterbury tales.
1: And then Rome, Italy. I, I want to walk to Rome. It just sounds good. <laughs>
0: sounds good. Well look at her if you guys are listening to this on the podcast and not watching it on the video. She got very excited. <laughs>
1: There are other Caminos in Spain. There's the Norte route, and then there's the Milan route. I mean, you have to you have to Google it. And, and there's one in Japan now, I heard. Um, they're all over the place. It's, kind, it, it's not as, as well, Some of them could be as long as um, the PCT, you know, the Pacific. So we, trail. We've got
0: a Camino here. We've got the El Camino yeah. Real. It goes up from the top of the state all the way down to Southern California and into Mexico. It's the this the Camino that the um is it a call? Captain Meyer
1: 12 or something like that? No, it's
0: called it's El Camino, the street El Camino okay. Real. Yeah. You don't, you don't know, girl, you gotta come over here and we gotta take you over there. Now when you get in the cities, it's like a street in the city. It's got, you know, Taco Bell and <laughs> in a grocery yeah. store. But when you get out, it's it's probably the same thing. And it's the this um the monks and the um Padres would walk it to go from mission to mission to mission. It's
1: probably not as safe as Europe, right? (laughs) I don't
0: know. I I would not go on the air and talk about the lack of safety that we have here in America compared to (laughs) Europe. Um, But, you know, you're always safe when you have people with you. Right. So, you know, one of the things that I like to speak about is fear and how it's taken us over. And the only reason I bring that up is because. I've watched you evolve and all these things that you're talking about now um, is about the result of what you can accomplish. If you control your fear, is that a fair statement?
1: Um, yeah.
0: Like the, the possibilities are open. When you can control your fears. Um, do you feel like you would have done this if back in who you were before with the Um, talk to us about that
1: um i don't think so i i yeah i i'm pretty spontaneous anyway but i i think i would have um i i just felt like you know i couldn't get to the book i don't know i just had like my brain was different then. i i think um i would i was more apprehensive or something but i'm i've always the traveler type but I think after having that heart attack it just made me uh just okay go do it yes do it you can do it yeah
0: you can do it I love that so what are you what's next for Connie
1: um well I I think retirement from my job <laughs> from teaching <laughs> um and then I'm 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 thinking a possibility of being in this movie. Everybody's saying they they think I'm going to get the part. There's a movie that's going to be filmed here um, in in January, February. Okay, so what's uh, it called? uh, No Address. Oh. They they already did a documentary on the homeless people here and then uh, now they're going to make a feature film about a, a homeless I think mother and son.
0: Okay. So I want to share something with people, if that's okay. Okay. I have your demo reel up and ready to play. Can I share that?
1: Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. Hold on a second. So I'm going to show this. Uh Can you see?
1: Yeah. I have
0: it up. So um, I've known Connie for a while. Uh, And her and I, um, I think she met me at a fair years and years and years ago. And um, we've come a long way together uh, professionally as friends. And I literally just saw this very recently. And when I saw it, I was like, what? So I'm gonna let it play.
1: What are we waiting for? Constance, when I was a little girl, My mother would always tell me about the bad people. How I needed to be careful because they were everywhere. I didn't believe her because I didn't see them myself. Why did she lead us here? What are you talking about? Did you think I wouldn't find out after everything I've done for you? This is the way I... I didn't see the bad people before because everyone looked the same on the outside. Evil lived within the heart. Isn't that right, Ginoah? (laughs) Oof! I'm going to stop right
0: there because... Connie's like killing people. Um, <laughs> wow. So when I talk about courage and transformation, um, you're not looking at you through, the, through the, the glasses of people looking at you. You're looking at yourself through your own perspective. And when I look at you, I had no idea you could do that. That was amazing. That was amazing. Now talk to me about it. What do you pull on as this whole new shoe you're wearing? So I know you did, you know, community theater, you know, and, you know, you had some fun projects here that you did, but that's what you're doing right there is different. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think I had, um, well, my, my former student who was, uh my, in my ASL class, his name is Dustin Forrester. And, um, now he's really into the movies now. Um, after he got into this, he, he told me I should do it. That's what he told me. He came back and he said, you should do this, Miss Diamond. That's what he said. And I said, okay. So he told me how, what to do and I went and did it. And, I, and then I started thinking, well, if he could do this, I could do this, you know. And I really wanted to do it. So I just thought I'd just, just give it my all and do it. And I am going to get a demo tape made with him uh, that date have moved up to February 2nd now. But so that's the, happening quick.
0: <laughs> that's a lot. A lot of stuff is happening for you quick. What do you have for people um, in terms of your advice of what they should do in terms of pursuing their dream?
1: Um. First is, um, it's, it's to really think about what you want and then like maybe write it down. I think uh and then start figuring out how to take the steps. Um just give yourself a few steps in the beginning. You know, it could be making a phone call or um, you know, uh, you know, write emailing somebody for information, or if you have an idea about writing a book, then maybe start um Looking for the information that you want to put in this book, and like for me, I had to go through a lot of um paperwork of my um of my emails and letters to parents and all the stuff I kept for years. So I had to organize that stuff, and then I had to um you know uh contact people. Um, and then if you if you want to be like. In, in plays and things like that, then then you have to go to auditions and and um and, and find an acting coach or, or find a resource to help you or a group um, or an organization or something, and you start taking the steps, and it, sometimes it feels like forever, and then and then once you start making that progress, um like for example. I contacted the studio about the demo tape, and I contacted Dustin, my friend, former student, and then we made arrangements, and then and then we got a date, and I and then I had a you know I paid for, it and then uh, I left it to them. I told them what I wanted, and then they came back with two dates that were in the spring, and then they. That last week they wrote again and said, "Okay, we're going to move you up again." And um,
0: so, so it's like, you know, patient, have a have I, a have a plan, take action.
1: Yeah, take a plan, have, make a plan, take action, and then follow through. And then, then and then things start happening. So uh, just like with my retirement, you know, I I I, I asked some questions and then um, I, I then I called. The, uh, the source. And I said, I, I need this. Can I do this? And then they gave me the information. So I went ahead and submitted it, you know, so it just got to take,
0: like, yeah, it just <laughs> yeah. got to take that action. And I like that because a lot of people sometimes um will say I'm too old. I might as well just finish this out, go to retirement, get me my little place in the little senior commons and just just do do that and what I'm hearing from you is like no, don't do that. That's what it sounds like I'm hearing A dream is a dream right
1: right and then and then um make sure that you write what you need in your end goal um like for me I I, I need to reach uh the 25 year retirement and I I do want my full benefits and full pension so it's important to put exactly you know what you want uh, otherwise you know, you know thing could happen differently
0: that's good that's good advice you gotta you gotta know what you want and you gotta know what you need to get there
1: right so
0: that's really really good advice we've been together here for an hour time is coming to an end um and i, I always like to let people give their final word you know you know so the first thing i'm going to say is you know this is a good book behind the wall it's a good book. It's a, it's not just another book about a school teacher who had an experience because there's a lot of those. It's a, it's a different perspective. It's a perspective from someone who's teaching our children, especially here in the state of California, we have lots of challenges with our educational system here in the state of California. And this is one of our teachers that had to navigate through all of that with the teenagers, Today, which can be a challenge in and of itself, that also has this hearing impairment and how she went through this process, which is powerful. Now, you do sign language, right?
1: But I I taught it for 22 years. I go to school for my district.
0: That's what I thought. That's what I thought. So, do you have a message for the young people out there that you could say because it's a podcast as well and maybe sign at the same time around? Not giving up just because they're hearing impaired. That's not a liability. It's an asset. Do you have a? Would you like to deliver a message?
1: Um, I I would always say, um, follow your heart.
0: Some sign language.
1: Follow your heart, uh, because then you know you'll always be in the right place. Yeah.
0: So follow.
1: Yeah. Follow or follow.
0: Follow your heart.
1: Your heart. Your heart. Right. And then, then, you know, you'll always be in the right.
0: In the right. Place. Yeah. Place. Yeah. Place. She just taught me place like this.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. she taught me a little bit of sign language. That was really fun. I have always enjoyed talking to people about their passions and you have been a lot of fun. I hope you've enjoyed this interview. Um, <laughs> What are the ne- what is the um, next events that you're going to be at in terms of? Do you have any book signings or anything like that coming up for people?
1: Yes, I do. I have a book signing at East Village Bookstore in East Sacramento on McKinley Street on Sunday, January 15th at 2 p.m.
0: Excellent. So if you're in the Sac area, right, it's the East Village Bookstore,
1: right? East Village. Right?
0: East. okay oh do it. what east what do it do it yes. <laughs> i love it
1: bookstore yes.
0: bookstore i love it i love it well
1: and I, and I have a web address too oh yes i
0: was gonna say how can people get in touch with
1: you um It it's connie steinman uh, my last name is F-T-E-I-N-M-A-N dot com so com and everything's on there um, about me the book and my past life you know and I also have an um, email for the book Do you have it right there
0: well everything is going to be in the description but you're welcome to put it out there if people want to get it when they also have your little postcard, you see, your little
1: postcard. okay yeah. <laughs> and then my uh my uh my um what do you call it? email for the book is on there too
0: yes it is and if you want to get a copy of the book if you contact connie she will sign it and send it to you and are you still doing that are you still offering that to people or did you finish um, that
1: yeah they can um yeah it would be um i'm i'm getting a, a special delivery of books uh and I, i'm willing to um you know, sell them for ten dollars, um, but you, uh, the postage in the United States is about four dollars. And I, I can so, do that.
0: So you're gonna. How much is the book if I walk into the bookstore or I buy it on Amazon?
1: Um, on Amazon and Dorans Publishers it's it's fifteen dollars for the paperback, and then it's, um I think it's it's a ten ninety nine for the ebook, and then it's uh, twenty eight for the hardback.
0: Which is the one that you have right there. Yeah. So what you're saying is if people listening to the show, um, watching the show want a copy of Connie's book, um, it sounds like she's waiting for a delivery. So you gotta give her a minute and she'll get her books in. She'll sign it for you and you and she'll sell it to you for 10 bucks. Uh, but you gotta, but she's gonna have to charge you for postage and handling, which you would have to pay anyway. So right. you're gonna save about five bucks if you get it from her and you get the author's signature. Or you can mosey on down to uh, the East Village Bookstore on January 15th, and you'll get to meet her and she'll sign your book and you can buy a copy of the book. Um, thank you so much for coming. This was such a delight. I had so much fun talking to you today. It was so fun. Um, we didn't get to touch everything, so we might have to bring it back because you you are a rower. You do all kinds of stuff. We only scratched the surface. So next time we bring you back, you're going to have to talk to us about this this dream of, of helping people reach their, their passions and their dreams. And by then you might be working on your next book.
1: Right. I do have an idea for another book. And-
0: okay. You're, you're getting ready. You're getting ready. I can see it.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Connie. Thank you, everybody. We will see you next time here. Yeah. We talk about the books and the authors, and the people that are making a difference in the community. Mm-hmm. Thank you everybody. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye. Okay.